0: I have a lot to say about both episodes, so I th- all three episodes, so I think, I don't know. Well, let's jump right in.
1: Okay. Corbinite Maneuver.
0: I loved the shit out of
1: the Corbinite Maneuver. But you can't say it. No. Corbinite Corb-
0: b- Maneuver. The Columbine Maneuver. Oh, God. no! Don't say that. We're going to get letters now. We, that's a good thing. I want letters. I want to read the letters on Well, air. then you
1: need to give them your email address at the end of the show, because I don't want emails.
0: Okay. Okay, great. Great.
1: So what did you like about the Corbinite maneuver?
0: Everything. Um, The fact that it was campy as shit, but it was still a very serious episode. The fact that it seemed like this very dangerous, threatening thing when this was happening. Um, The fact that it had all of this really hilarious dialogue that was... The fact the ending, the ending, come on.
1: Well, let me stop you there. Yeah, Shall I...
0: I-, I-, I- you,
1: you say that the whole thing is campy. I don't find the whole episode campy. I mean, the end is certainly campy. But I don't think that there's a lot of campiness in in, in the 45 minutes that precede it.
0: Ten of your Earth time units called minutes. I'm sorry. The second you have X number of your Earth minutes, you're in the realm of camp. The thing that they're fighting at the beginning is a gigantic space Rubik's Cube. When they show the Balok evil, you know, the alien version—it's this really like weird puppet voiced by Ted Cassidy. I mean, when he—the ship. Well, let came, me. A- I mean, shall I go on? This is a can't be Well, episode. let me
1: let me ask you a question. So, did you realize that that was a puppet before the the big reveal at the end of the episode?
0: You know, it's it honestly. While I, I wasn't clear if it was an in-universe puppet or a, a, a do you know what I mean? Like it, uh, it, it was unclear whether that was. Just the level of quality of the effects or whether that was intentional so yeah
1: I find that interesting that you say that because of course you know by now that the effects are quite good,
0: yeah but I didn't think that it was poor effects when when they had it I mean I, I thought it looked cool it was a creepy alien in that and it did it, it did its job
1: hmm hmm I don't know i'm not I'm not convinced that I, th- I mean I don't find that most of the episode to be campy i, I guess uh, uh maybe I have more of a um, uh, you know more more of a, a knowledge or, or, or I guess uh, uh, experience with with really campy stuff. I mean, if you've ever watched any old Doctor Who, it's really campy. Um, so for me, this episode didn't. Well, strike I, mean, me I as, mean, would, as, as super campy. Well, let me
0: let me let me put it. There were maybe it's more like there were campy elements. It was a serious episode, but it did have its moments of like, what the hell is this? That. I don't know. I appreciated those. There were there were times that, again, during that, So I don't know, maybe we should summarize the episode first. We really well, I should mean, be talking about that.
1: I mean, I, I would like to assume that everyone that's listening to this has watched the episode. If you haven't, then I don't know why you would ever listen to this. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, if you haven't. So uh, it's basically a bottle episode. Um, the Enterprise finds a, a, a warning buoy in space and they destroy it. Uh, bad things happen. And then another ship comes, the guy's like, Oh, I'm gonna destroy you, blah, blah, blah. Uh and at the end of the episode they find out that the guy who was gonna well, destroy he's, them he's, is actually a kid. Well so. this
0: entire time, like, it's this you know, he he the ship is dwarfs the enterprise. It's this Obviously, technology and a. Uh, I think they
1: said it was a mile long.
0: Yeah, on intelligence, that is just greatly surpasses the Enterprise. And it's saying, you know, you're trespassing, you know, your ship's going to be destroyed. And
1: Of the First Federation, the first by the federation.
0: way. First Federation. So, I, I, kind I don't, of strange. Yeah. Um At one point, it's saying, you know, I assume that you believe in a deity and, you know, you may pray to this deity. You have 10 of your Earth minutes. And like I said, that was the campy stuff. But, um, he, you know, Kirk is trying to explain, you know, we didn't mean this. We come in peace, you know. And, you know, this alien is saying, you know, I am Balok. I'm going to destroy you, you know, and he's not listening at all. So Kirk is trying to figure it out. So he decides the only thing he has, has is to bluff. So he invent he pretends that there's this substance called carbonite, which uh, – Well, let's
1: let's go back a yeah. little bit because I think this is one of the key points of the episode is that – it's not just that Kirk bluffs; it's that he's changing the game, right? Because okay, yeah, Spock fair. says something about well, in chess, if you're outmatched, the game is over, and so mm-hmm. you know, Kirk says something about well, then uh, this is not actually chess; this is poker. Watch, yeah, watch how I do this shit, Spock, and then he just like totally turns it on its head. So uh, yeah, so Kirk bluffs basically and says that the Enterprise and all Earth ships. Uh, have this substance on them called corbomite, which obviously is not real. Yeah. Um, If I needed to tell you that, then I'm sorry. Um,
0: I mean, it could be something real in-universe that, you know, we don't know of. That is true, like dilithium. Yeah. So. Yeah, basically what corbomite does is if you attack it, it it immediately counters with a reaction that's of equal force. And he's saying, you know, Earth people, we do not fear death. And, you know, we don't know what your species does. But, you know, if you want to find out, you know, attack us. And Kirk is just
1: being a a badass, basically.
0: Yeah, basically, he's just trying to get this to back down. He's trying to they have no position here. And just trying to pretend that, you know, Earthlings are this gigantic threat and that you don't want to mess with them. Uh, So it's, you know, these two sides trying to just overpower each other. Just and again, this is one of those it's. I thought it was interesting because it doesn't have anything to do with firepower or it's just who can talk the best. So, And I find that interesting yeah. too,
1: right? Because I believe that this is the first episode that we've seen where the ship actually fires any weapons. Yes. Uh, that's interesting in and of itself because they don't fire on the large ship. They fire on the smaller ship that, that early on stopped them from, from proceeding.
0: Yeah. And that's not even a ship. It's like a buoy or a drone or something like right.
1: that. The Baylock. The, the Baylock. Uh, bay yeah. <laughs> Baylock calls it a warning buoy. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I think because that part of the episode, you kind of think that that. I mean, this is I find that this is something that uh, Star Trek does a lot, um, and maybe you've noticed this as well that they set something up to maybe be the like the main plot, but it turns out not to be. Yeah, because you think that sort of this whole you know ship thing, whatever it is, the Rubik's in space is going to be kind of the main uh, adversary of the episode, but it, it pretty quickly gets di- dispatched. Yeah,
0: and it um, turns out it's all. So it's from something much larger. Yeah,
1: yeah. Unintended consequences, of course.
0: Yes. So finally, they he says, you know, we're going to take you down to the planet. We're towing your ship. He gets this ship out. You know, the, the, this tiny ship detaches from this larger complex and is towing the Enterprise. They figure out through some very creative, you know, maneuvering, they break free of it. But in the. Basically,
1: they're just like overloading their engines yeah. and pulling uh, away.
0: Yeah, and they're basically going as fast fast as they can and almost about to explode the ship and they break free but in the course of this Lock ship gets you know damaged and it's sending out a distress call and it can't get back so in an act of mercy Kirk decides to save it and then to this point in the episode I was enjoying it I was saying this is a fun episode you know it's there are parts that I laughed at parts that were creepy some good character work which we'll get into this is a good solid episode And then the last five minutes of the episode Are pretty much the greatest thing ever
1: What would you like to explain why?
0: I did not expect this at all So they get into Baylock's ship And it's like this like I don't know There's all these like pillows and curtains And they find You know the alien that they'd seen as Baylock Is this dummy This puppet And then there's You hear this weird voice saying Hi I'm Balok And it's this like four year old kid Right Just in the middle of this gigantic like couch Basically and but he's dubbed by an adult's voice and it's really weird and they're just like what the fuck's going on And he's like oh i'm balok and drink this is tranya and it's like this most delicious drink ever apparently according to their facial expressions they like each make several different uh different expressions of delight so you can tell that it has like a taste and an aftertaste and a mouthfeel and all of that and it turns out that he's just, like, the nicest guy. He just didn't know whether they were really nice people or not. And so he tricked them, and, you know, they passed the test. And he's just, you know, he runs everything, but he wants a friend. And then they have this new officer type who volunteers to go and hang out with Baylock for a year. And and it's just, like, it's just this happy little thing. Like, they all laugh about it at the end.
1: Everyone's friends. I
0: I, I liked that. It was a, It was a very sweet ending to the episode because... Again, you have this thread, and you're wondering. And because they avoid violence the entire time, they manage to uh, get deeper communication between. You know, they find a whole new species. You know, this that new species finds Earthlings. He never knew about them before. It's it's a happy episode,
1: Richard. Yeah, I think you're turning into a Star Trek fan. I
0: I might not be. Well, why? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I liked it a lot, but there were a lot of very, I, I, yeah, it, it was just a cute episode. I didn't expect the ending, and it knocked me for a loop, and that's, I think, what a good show can do, you know? It it was a twist, but it was one that was very organic to the thing. I mean, it's funny. You have all of these tricks that Balak is playing. In hindsight, they all do seem kind of a little silly and childish, and he's played by a little kid, Clint Howard, actually.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, because of course, the, yeah. the child is quite ugly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't. That's one of the things I never really understood about the episode. I mean, it is a very good episode, and it, it's one of the episodes um, in, in the previous episodes where I've been talking about you know upcoming episodes that are really good that I deliberately left out because I wanted to kind of gauge a reaction to it totally fresh. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because um, I'm not really sure that we're supposed to read Baylock as actually being a child.
0: No, I think there's a But
1: I think there's a I think there's an expectation or or kind of an implication there that Baylock while not a child is uh he's obviously an adult of whatever species he yes. is because you know he's piloting a spaceship all by himself mm-hmm. and they're vastly intelligent and vastly yeah, yeah, powerful yeah, yeah. and vastly, you know, technologically advanced. Um but at the same time I think there's a kind of a he's supposed to represent because of course, humans do have a lot of those childlike need to play and, and to yeah. to uh, make friends and socialize and all those things. So I think he's supposed to be one aspect of that, kind of taken to like a almost an absurd degree. Well, this, I mean, even yeah. in the fact that he's played by a child, I think is you know it's kind of making me a little too explicit. But I you know I think it's interesting.
0: Well, I mean, he's almost a trickster god figure. I mean, this is similar to like a Coyote or a Loki story or a, you know an Nancy story from <laughs> mythology. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, um, you'll find out later. Okay, because he is the supremely powerful being, but he's tricking them the entire time. And you know, when whenever you catch the, you know, it's when you catch the trickster figure, he teaches you something like that. That's a kind of if you're able to withstand that, you know, you get wisdom. You know. And that's exactly what's happening in this episode. They've managed to.
1: Well, is it though? I mean, yeah, he doesn't. They, he they, doesn't really teach them anything. And but
0: but he's going to at the end. They, he explicitly says, you know, I want, I want one of your guys as a as you know just company for a while. But yeah, I'm going to teach him everything, and you know. Both of our species will benefit from. Does from he the, say that? He I'm explicitly pirate. says both of our species will benefit from this knowledge, you know. And Kirk even says, "Yeah, I'm going to get a better officer out of that," you know. And Balak like cracks up at that. He's like, "Yeah, well, you know, that's how I think about it," you know. And yeah, no, he explicitly is because they have, you know, shown these values of you know patience and tolerance, and you know. All of that, rather than immediately trying to attack, um, they prove themselves worthy of whatever knowledge it is that Baylock has to give. Yeah, man. and you know, it's it's a reward for playing his game and beating him at that own game. I mean, this is a respectful opponent. He offers them drinks at the end. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, the idea that uh, if you can't beat someone at their own game, that you can change the game is something that will come back later. Uh, there's a very famous thing, which you probably actually know about, because you, you, you've seen the uh, the 2009 uh, Star Trek remake. Yes. You know, the, the whole idea that, that uh, Kirk um, beat the unbeatable test because he basically cheated. So... Yeah, I don't know if you remember that, but yes, the, the, yes, the Kobayashi Maru. So this is something that Kirk uh, has in his character, definitely, and I think this is one of the earliest examples of that, like most explicitly. Um, it, it, I think it's also an interesting episode because it it has a couple of things that I, I think this is kind of, it, it, you know, it's a little it's a little complicated because we are not watching these in production order, so. We don't exactly know. I mean, obviously, I you know we we could find out pretty easily when these episodes are made, and I believe yeah. Corbinite Maneuver was was much earlier than the other ones. Okay, um, mostly because Uhura is wearing uh, a command uniform in this episode; she's wearing gold instead of red, uh, which could be one of the geekiest things I've said on this podcast. I was so going to say,
0: I didn't. even – Good for you! Congratulations! Yeah.
1: So. Uh, that was uh, something that they did very early on. So I believe Corbinite Maneuver was uh, fairly early on in the in the
0: uh, Pro- production. Order, in the production,
1: yeah. yeah. So it really, I think it kind of um, lays bare that they, they had an, a concept
0: for uh, what the show should be pretty early. I mean, this feels very much like, one of the things I noticed is that pretty much every single character is in this episode scotty's in it sulu's in it spock is in it kirk is in it or is in it uh bones is in it like everyone is in this episode there aren't any it, you know chekov is the only one that i don't know and he's not added to the cast yet i'm not missing anyone am i no uh yeoman Rand makes an appearance uh which is she, her
1: last appearance i believe
0: oh she makes coffee with a phaser <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's very resourceful i thought that was weird <laughs> like, i i know just like that's the only thing you can because the power goes out at one point, I'm like, you y- y- phasered coffee? Okay, good for you. Yeoman. Sure, why not?
1: I don't know how you didn't Ran. destroy the cariff. But and
0: doesn't he? Compl- and doesn't then Kirk complain about having a woman yeoman at that point? Yes, yeah. Because I don't know she. She's making him eat or something like that. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, Sulu's in it. Okay, Sulu. Sulu
1: doesn't really do much in this episode, S-
0: but it's which is very he's very sulky the entire time. And here I'm thinking now my my initial. View Because he has a different Navigator every, every single episode, pretty much. And I'm figuring, okay, that's whoever, you know, Sulu's boyfriend is, you know. And, you know, when he gets rid of him, he gets a new Navigator in. So he has a new Navigator this time, and Sulu's upset. And I'm wondering, like, well, why? Turns out, Navigator was Kirk's pick. Mm-hmm. This is someone that, you know, because explicitly Kirk saw, you know, as a grunt and saw something of himself in and promoted too early and something. So that's why Sulu's upset. He didn't get his own boy in.
1: Well, I'm just ignoring all that nonsense. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting that uh, you bring up Bailey because um, they have that exchange. I think it's on the Turbolift where, where Bones and, and Kirk are talking yeah. about Bailey. And, um, you know, McCoy is definitely being set up at this point as being sort of uh, the the um, the guy who is critical of Kirk's, <laughs> Kirk's decisions, command decisions, because yeah. he's done it a couple times already. And he basically says, yeah, I don't know if Bailey is ready for this. Uh, I think you promoted him too fast. Yeah. Um,
0: kind And know, several times through the episode, Bailey does choke, or he flips out or freaks out when, you know, yeah. when no one else does. I mean, it, is, I mean, everybody it el- is clear he's above his pay grade right now. Yeah, because, I mean,
1: everybody else on the bridge yeah. is fairly calm throughout the episode i mean no one's freaking out everyone's kind of like well we got a job to do so we're gonna do it even though we're gonna die in 10 minutes we just have to do it and bailey's the only one who's like jesus christ everybody we need to freak out you know (laughs) it's like that's not really helping um, yeah.
0: But again, the others have been, you know, assumedly, you know, Yohara, for example, has been was working for years and got promoted up, you know, Sulu, all of them. Yeah, absolutely. You and know. I mean, the thieves, they've been, this is not their first ship and they've seen a lot of crap happen. So they are kind of used to it.
1: Which is interesting because I think it really does. Uh, it's set, it sets up something right because the show is not afraid to make Kirk fallible, right? Because in the same episode that he is this brilliant tactician, you know, changing the game, um, solving a huge problem with just the power of his logic in mind, uh, in that same episode, he's shown to perhaps have, kind of a blind spot sometimes in in uh, uh, promoting people. So- well,
0: yeah, and this, I mean, it's clear that he's, you know, again, Bone says, you know, you saw something of yourself in him, and, you know, the implication is that while Kirk may have been ready at that point in his career, you know, and, you know, if Kirk had been promoted during that point, he would be fine. I mean, that's essentially the plot of the 2009 movie. Um, Bailey isn't ready. You know, Bailey does need the more training, and, you know, Kirk can't empathize with that. Yeah. Because he doesn't, you know, then that's a failing of his and one part of this episode hasn't realized this.
1: I mean, at the same time, I, I do think that this episode goes a little too far in McCoy being hard on Kirk because he's really giving it to him. Yeah. And it's like, well, you can back off a little bit. I mean, you don't need to be so critical of him um especially at the very beginning of the scene where you see kirk and mccoy uh and, and kirk is going through his physical and they've got that great little i'm gonna do bicycle uh yeah. maneuvers in the air I was like,
0: say, did shatner request all of those shirtless scenes God. in this uh, because i mean if i had that body i would request shirtless scenes
1: i mean sure i guess <laughs> you know i mean and, and the funny thing is right he's like he goes to the turbo left and he you know he's gonna go to the bridge not just put a shirt on. Not yeah, even just like
0: walking through. I, I'm Captain Sweaty. I, he's got a
1: shirt, but he's yeah. like... Eh. He just like
0: slings it over his shoulder. He's just like walking all manly through the Enterprise. Okay, my one of my favorite effects in this show is the, like, vital signs monitor, which they have, I believe, shown in every single episode. And it's a completely useless... Thing for a medical professional because it's these like sliding lights that like are showing you what the pulse is, but they make a point of showing it in every single episode, and
1: they were really proud of that. I think,
0: fig- yeah, I figure like that was the best piece of tech they got for like the the, the, this, the effects, and they're I'm not
1: even it- sure how they did that. It probably was uh, like a, a, um, a overhead projector or something. I don't even know how they yeah, I don't know yeah. how they did it, but I mean, it's impressive. I like it. Yeah, yeah but.
0: And also the alerts on the ship are silent apparently which is not really a good idea. <laughs> like they're just cuz cuz what happens is you know McCoy sees the alert but because like Kirk isn't looking at it he doesn't even know and he finishes his physical and he in fact scolds McCoy for you know not letting him know. If if the captain can miss an alert because his bag is turned, that's not a good system. Or the
1: captain is asleep or he's in the bathroom. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, he's just, you know, listening to music and eating cereal, you know?
1: You know, then again, uh, uh, Spock can take care of it, so that's fine.
0: Yeah, they show Spock taking a lot of command in this episode Um, at the very beginning. They're doing this very boring routine, like star mapping thing, and, you know, Spock's just handling it all. And then later on... um, When they beam down to Balok's ship, uh, you know, Spock requests to go and, you know, Kirk immediately says, you know, no, if something happens, you know, if this is a trap, you know, you need to be here.
1: Yeah, which is interesting because they don't really say that one in these episodes. Um, There's a a funny thing uh, much later on where they made a point of... um, uh, uh, keeping uh, Picard, Picard on the ship at all times because of that criticism, because people always criticize the show for having Kirk go down all the time, and it's like, yeah, the captain wouldn't really do this. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's kind of too important to just beam down to random planets and go on the landing party.
0: I say, isn't that a plot point in the 2009 Star Trek movie that when the captain beams down, that's very bad because he gets immediately captured? mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, So this was, I think, the first episode where you had the effect where they shake the camera and everyone, like falls down
1: oh yeah i
0: love that there's one scene when they're like where it's basically okay everyone in the bridge just jiggle around a little bit and then they cut to this scene where like everyone's hanging hugging one wall and then they just like run to the other side of the wall and then meanwhile nichelle nichols is just doing jiggles around the least because she could tell she just doesn't feel like doing it (laughs) yeah yeah she's like i'm wearing a mini skirt here i'm just gonna like Sit down and look up vaguely upset about this. I'm not gonna, you know. Well, she's got her seatbelt on. That's true.
1: Let me ask you a question about this episode. So, what do you make of the uh, the development of the cast? Because you know we've seen a few now. Um, I think this is what our, our tenth episode or ninth episode, something, something like, like that. that. And you pretty much have everybody that, that is in the show. has yeah. been in at least, a, you know, three episodes, I think at this point, you know, not, obviously not everybody is getting as much screen time as uh, as everybody else. I, I think only William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy were contracted to appear in every episode. Okay. Um, and they're the only ones that are, that are billed as, as actual, like, you know, on the, on the, um, top, top billing. Starring Shatner and Nimoy. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else, I think either was guest stars or just, you know, lower on the billing. Um, but you know what? What do you? I mean, can you can you see uh, the development of this? You know, the, this cast as a crew. I mean, well, what... yeah,
0: I like episode. I like that this is probably one of the first episodes that has everybody. I mean, again, these characters are all pop culture icons. I know pretty much all of them just from you know living in the world. Yeah, and you know, it's whenever you know when your is not there, it, I feel like she's missing. When Sula's is not there, when you know McCoy's, you know. The, it, so seeing all of them makes the show feel right. Like I think that's I like, and I like that they all have something to do. Um, they manage to. This is a plot that finds a use for every character. Yeah. Even you know, Sulu's is only he's rattling off the time every few minutes, but he's still doing something. Yeah, I he think- has a weird obsession with timepieces, according to uh, I think that was McCoy says. So I'm wondering if that's significant.
1: Um, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Mm. I mean, that doesn't strike me as anything that I've ever really thought about or heard of. But Yeah, I
0: would say, is that a character note?
1: I don't know. Maybe. It could be.
0: I don't think it's that important. Mm. But... Could be further evidence for the Sulu is gay thing. <laughs> Why? Okay, what's another word for a timepiece? A watch? No. A clock? What's a gay sex-related term that rhymes with clock? There is one. Mock? Yes! Okay. Uh, I think it's evidence. I'm putting it in the evidence file.
1: I mean, I think even though the, you know, even characters that have not had so much to do yet, uh, like um, Scotty, for example. Yeah. You know, we don't, Scotty doesn't, you know, I I could see uh, at this point, you know, people not really knowing who's going to be important and who's not. I mean, obviously, Scotty's important, Kirk is yeah. important, Bones is important. But it's uh, not clear that... Even even sort of Uhura is important, Sulu's been important, because they've all been in the episodes, yeah. you know, uh, doing other things besides their job, basically. But uh, Scotty really hasn't.
0: Uh, and, like, Yeoman Rand has had a much bigger role in the series so far than Scotty, for example. Yeah,
1: I mean... I don't know. Should we talk about Yeoman Rand? Let's I love talk about Yeoman let's talk Rand. About Yeoman like,
0: Rand. But, I mean, there's episodes that focus on her. There's, you know, she has a lot of. She, I guess Scotty hasn't really done that as much.
1: Well, this, I believe, is the last episode that we're going to watch that Yeoman Rand appears in, at least that has a speaking role. I could okay. be wrong about that, but I, I think I'm right. Uh, I believe she appears in the, her last episode. She appears, in. I believe she just appears and she doesn't say anything. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, Janice Whitney, who played. Uh, Yeoman Rand was supposed to be uh, a character like Uhura, like Sulu, like Scotty. Um, Not in every episode, but someone who would appear
0: fairly regularly. uh,
1: And she was supposed to have this sort of love relationship with, with Captain Kirk, this sort of flirtation going on. And they decided to get rid of it basically. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, from the point of view of someone who, who has never really seen a lot of early Star Trek, I'm getting from you that you can hear or you can see that she was supposed to be And I like her. on a par with that. Yeah. And I you, like you her very like much as a too. character. And
0: I'm very sad to, that she's not one of the main characters. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean I I feel like what they've done with the flirtation, it's definitely been a background element, but the implication I've always gotten from it is that, you know, it's something that they had, but they're kinda like past at this point. Right. Just because they've never they never really figured out a way to make it practical, so they just didn't bother with it. Yeah, that's kind of how I—I I, I, it's been presented. Yeah, um, and one of those they could keep it in the background forever if they wanted to. If they wanted to make a couple episodes about it, they can do an indefinite number like that. Like I don't know, I feel the loss of her.
1: I can see that. I mean, I, I think you know maybe we'll revisit this topic. At, you know, at the end of uh, when we finish the end of the first season. Um, you know, I, I, I like her character too. And, uh, you know, I said a couple episodes ago that I don't believe she appeared in any of the movies. She actually did. Okay. Uh, appeared in at least one. Um, and also appeared in an episode of star Trek Voyager, oddly enough. Huh. Um, but you know, the thing about, uh, Yeoman Rand is she always was a fan favorite, which is interesting. I think, and you're responding to a lot of why people like her, uh, because she seems smart. She seems capable. You know, yeah. he has the love interest thing is whatever. Uh, the, the stated reason why they, they wrote her character out of the show uh, was because they wanted to make Kirk more of a quote unquote a player, and you can kind of see Which that starting to develop. Done, but yeah. they could
0: also make him a player with the girl back home, you know?
1: Right. But I think the idea and that that
0: being a big conflict of his: does he want to have you know a woman on every planet, or does he want to just be dependable? You know, have the dependable woman he loves. I mean, that could there's a lot you can do with that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm not I'm not saying I agree with with that, or you know, I'm not saying I agree with either decision. Oh yeah, but, yeah. yeah. You know, it is it is something that you can make an argument for one way or the other. This is fifty
0: years ago. There's no real uh, yeah change yeah. going back now. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I also think that
1: that that getting rid of Yeoman Rand does put at least some of the the, the gender politics stuff to to the you know to the side because um, yeah. especially in this episode again this episode was done pretty early on in in, in the production and. Um, I believe that, you know, obviously Yeoman Rand was supposed to be introduced in this episode. You know, Kirk says, oh, I've got a Yeoman, uh, female Yeoman. She's going to make me eat right. Dames, huh? He's eating salad. And how great is it that they can get fresh salad? I was going to (laughs) say, where did they get salad? They don't have a replicator. Yeah, like they can get fresh salad on the uh, edge of the galaxy. Uh, So obviously, you know, Yeoman Rand was supposed to be introduced in this episode. But, uh, yeah, I think that you lose something there because, you know, not having a woman on the bridge that is not uhura kind of makes it a little a little sad because you do still have uhura and she's definitely not a sexual object no and she's that well eh, Uh,
0: we're supposed to 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 notice that she has legs but that's about it
1: right i mean to the to the degree that yes uhura is is a space uh telephone operator yeah and Yeoman Rand is a space secretary, you know. We but
0: they're a goddamn good space operator at a space secretary, right? I mean, there's that.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. And um, someone's
0: got to be the operator, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the point is, yeah.
1: So, so I guess just to uh, just know. to sum up the Corbinite maneuver, uh, you know, I think a lot of what you're reacting to, especially is. Uh, what Star Trek becomes and what Star Trek is, which okay. is, you know, an ex you know, an exploration of the galaxy based on friendship, respecting life, um, you know, protecting people and just kind of this curiosity and the sort of playfulness of, of, of the series and of the, of the franchise as a whole. Um, and I think this is probably one of the earliest episodes that, that really gets that across to it, to a great degree. Uh, cause you can easily imagine a, a, a totally different show, and probably a lesser show ending this episode with them destroying that ship.
0: Yeah, figuring out a way to, you know, exploit its weakness or whatever.
1: And, and the fact that instead what happens is they beam over and they find this very playful. Yeah. Very powerful being who's just basically like, hey, dudes, like.
0: I'm just bored. Like, I'm just bored. Guys like, want to hang out? Have some Tranya. By the way tranya t- is i i think it's tang <laughs> i'm fairly sure that it's tang because it looks like tang and how and number one you know balog's a little kid he's gonna love something sweet you yeah know? and they all have the look that i have when i drink tang
1: you really want Tronya, don't you
0: i really want Tronya. i bet someone has come i would love the
1: i bet someone has come up with a recipe for Tronya. i
0: bet i would relish it as much as <laughs> balog does now i have to say there was a I thought of a very disturbing subtext of the end of the episode, and I'm not sure if I should go into it. Well, yet.
1: you said it, so you have to. Okay,
0: but, I mean, you could always edit it out. Sure. Okay, so so I'm thinking about that, like, man, if I could just hang out with Balak drinking Tranya, that would be pretty awesome. Like, I'd take out that alpha, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. But then I'm thinking, like, damn, you know... It would be better if it was like a sexy alien, you know, because that way, like I would, you know, would, like I would totally, yes. Here's here's a supreme being who's really hot, you know, and he's gonna teach you. stuff. like, okay, that's the thing. Bailey is really excited to hang out with Baylock, mm-hmm. who appears as a four year old boy. Mm-hmm. Is I, I think Sulu is better off without him. Let me just leave it at that. I okay yeah.
1: And I think I'll leave that on the table as well, just to leave that there. Yeah. We'll just, we'll throw that down.
0: <laughs> I'm just throwing it down there. I'm just saying what I thought about. He was really gleeful when he's, you know, the second Balak said, I would like someone to be my companion, uh, you know, Bailey, like, just face lights up and he just, like, almost drops his Tron, yeah? All right. Well, there we go. Yeah.
1: Space pedophiles. Yeah. So I think, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the day, I think this episode really does a good job of of showcasing, you know, the optimism of the show. And it kind of gives you an idea of why so many people responded to it. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's it. I think it's, I think it's a good episode. It's a good episode on its own. I think it's a good episode in conjunction with an understanding of, you know, where, how the show developed so far and where the show goes. And... Just as a piece of entertainment, I think it works too. Yeah, no, I was with it. I was out of the park.
0: I was with it from the second you know they started. I was watching this episode, and like I said, I I thought it was really a great episode. And the thing is,
1: nothing really happens for a long time, but it's all really interesting. It's
0: very tense, and they have enough, you know. The car- I never found myself bored in this episode. No. There have been some episodes that I was bored during this. So it was like, but what's going to happen? Like, well, we can talk how are about they going to get this out? You and know, the, the
1: next episode we're going to talk about is probably mm. boring, but you know. So, what would yeah. your
0: rating of this episode be?
1: Um, uh, you know, I really like this episode. I I think probably I'd give it. A, mm, I don't know. It's hard. Like, it maybe an eight or a nine. I'm kind of on the fence. Like, okay. maybe an eight point five. Okay, leaning towards nine. Round Sip. it up.
0: This you episode, know, I'll round it up to a okay. nine. Nine. I'll nine, give a nine triples. This gets a full ten triples for me. Wow, your first I foreign. loved this episode. Like I said, I, I I immediately texted you. Like, the second, I'm like, I just saw a carbonite maneuver. There's fucking Tronya in it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It,
1: yeah.
0: And just, just Baylock's speech. But like I said, Baylock made this episode. It would have been an eight without Baylock.
1: I can see that. Yeah. No, yeah. the ending does make the episode, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that that's true. I mean, it's a good episode <laughs> up to that point, but once you get Baylock, it's like, wow, okay.
0: Yeah, this I show just like is, to imagine like that's his decoration taste. This like, show
1: is insane. Yeah, mm, yeah, and number number two, it's insane in a way that completely makes sense, and I love. Yeah, so that is pretty much Star Trek in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. I know, but I even liked how at the very end, like, it, they're almost threatened for a while.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. at, when they
0: first see this and they hear this guy's voice, and it's it's kind of fucked up and creepy. And you're just like, what is he? this drink he's going to give them? He's going to poison them? Like, is that dangerous? And then they start drinking and it's delicious and everyone just relaxes. And it's like, oh, we're having fun. And the, I
1: mean, right. And a small note about that, too, of course, yeah. is that Balok drinks at first. Yes. To kind of be like, no, nah, that's cool. It's so cool.
0: We're all Oh, yeah, here. and he very, he very deliberately does that. We're just, for playing, we're just playing a game. It's all right. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And then he's showing around his ship, and, you know, assuming they're going to take Baylock to the Enterprise, they're just going to have a great time.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you liked this episode. I like it very much. Let's move on to an episode that um, probably neither one of us liked very much, the Menagerie. So, the Menagerie. Yeah. Okay, so I'm of two I, minds about this. I, and let me just go into okay. this real quick. So, this is a two-part episode. It's the first two-part episode that that we've ever seen. Uh, totally does not need to be a two-part episode whatsoever. It's way too long. No. Uh, I, 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 it, here's here's what I think. Well, before I go into this, let me just ask you a quick question. Yes. Did you like the Menagerie?
0: You see, I did and I didn't. Um... I had to. Okay, that's, um, your, that's your answer. I find it a very. I actually have a decent amount of stuff to talk about it.
1: No, I, I do too. I think it's an interesting episode. I, but
0: if I had not seen the cage, that's exactly
1: my point. Here, here's why I think it's both a good and a bad episode. So, if you approach it from the point of view of someone who is watching the show, ne- having never seen the unaired pilot, which of course many, you know, watching yeah. the show originally, you would not have any knowledge of the cage. Watching the show for many years after that, you would have had no knowledge of the cage. I can see it being a more enjoyable episode to watch for that reason. For us seeing the cage just a few weeks ago, I think I found myself not really paying attention to a lot of the cage portions of it. Just because I fast-forwarded
0: them, actually, yeah, they like got, like I skimmed. I watched. There were a couple of scenes that I wanted to see again, but. For the most part, like the whole number two blowing up the thing, like I skipped that. Right, I you skipped. don't
1: need to watch
0: it. We we watched the cage. You they know, didn't have the best part, ago. which was the pink baboon that's in the cage with him. And, like, right. and yeah, they, right, that was the only thing I liked about. But that being said, I thought it was a really interesting recontextualization of the cage completely.
1: Oh yeah, and. Well, that was one of the things I found interesting about it because so so basically the episode is set up as uh, 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 it's almost a sequel. To it's it. like a mutiny play, sort of a sequel. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of machinations that Spock is doing. Um, you know, basically the episode is you find out that uh, Captain Pike from the Cage, uh, who they actually gave a time frame for when the Cage happened, it was thirteen years ago, which you know it's quite a long time. Yeah, uh, but that, I find that interesting because you know why pick that long? I'm not sure. Yeah, um, but turns out that that pike was injured very badly and he's now basically a quadriplegic yeah. who can't
0: move and somehow in the future even though like in real life stephen hawking is able to completely write talk and communicate and you know everything no problems all pike can do is a little blinky thing that goes yes or no like, yeah. I not, like, like that's all the future can do and not but- only
1: that um morse code Like, just teach him Morse code? Like, what? I was going to say, like, like
0: the guy from The Diving Bell and The Butterfly wrote a novel with blinking his eyes they could do something yeah,
1: yeah. well you know this is the 60s they, they weren't that advanced then so of that's course true. you know what i mean like this is one of those things that we now yeah if, if i
0: know it's one of those future if this on. show
1: had been made now of course they would have been able to do that i mean the other thing too of course is that i, I wrote down in my notes that they call down to the computer center at one point because yeah. that's very much like well it's the 60s and we're all gonna have big mainframes and it's gonna be like that forever yeah so it is something that Star Trek has a problem with extrapolating present technological yeah. trends into the future. But, well, I mean, of
0: course, we're, we can't be clear whether, you know, we're looking at this from the view of 2012, which has way outpaced everything, you know, on that. Well, show. that's what I'm yeah. saying. It's just it's that yeah. it's
1: that tendency that a lot of fiction does. And a lot, you know, honestly, yeah, humanity
0: in general has
1: to There's imagine that the the, the, the the trends of technology as it exists now are going to be that way forever.
0: Yeah. But there's no way of like tell it. again from the '60s. You couldn't have pictured the internet. I don't know where we were going with this one, but um, we but
1: but moving but moving aside, yeah, from from the technology aspect of it. Oh,
0: there, oh, I, I did technology. I did remember is when uh, at one point Spock's trying to pre, Spock's pretending he's the captain and he's trying to. Uh, you know, send a fake message from Captain Kirk. So he has a set of PlayStation 1 memory cards that he's sliding into oh, yeah, slot. Oh, yeah, memory tapes. And each of which have w- apparently one sentence on them, like, because he, he's, like, shifting around for every single other line, and it's like, okay, you really, memory really wasn't on the radar. At right, point, right. It. <laughs> like,
1: we have a lot of that even now. Yeah. Uh, USB thumb drives. You could fit a lot of text on there. <laughs> yeah, you know, you just kind of go it's with some funny, of these things. It's funny, but, um, Yeah. And also, they're different colors, which I don't know if that means anything. But it's like they're color coded. Well, them. how
0: would you like tell them apart otherwise? Well,
1: you get a little sharpie and write a note on it.
0: Well, I mean, like, but this is more visually attractive. <laughs> so
1: yeah, so I think one of the interesting things to talk about in this episode is just Spock because he kind of acts really weird in this episode, and you know, for the, for the guy who uh, uh, just a few episodes ago was 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 willing to um, let, let a shitload of people die. Uh, what what episode was that? I'm trying to remember. Um, there was one episode where he was talking about like you know letting someone die because the the, the ship would would explode or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was, um, I don't know which one was that? I, I know the one you're talking yeah, about. But 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 now he's like risking the entire lives of the of the crew of the Enterprise to to save Captain Pike. It, it seems weird. I mean, I guess you could read it one of two ways. You could read it as a mischaracterization of Spock, or you could read it as Spock is very loyal. I've read To it his a, friends,
0: Spock is very loyal, and I think he didn't necessarily. Well, here's the thing: because when, the entire time there is no real court martial, as it turns out. Well, that's
1: true different. as well.
0: But so, because um, I was going to say, at the
1: which makes me uh, which makes me wonder exactly how far the Talosians' mind powers go, because they said that. Well, okay, so there's a there's a. a, a commander or something like that commodore yeah. that uh is in charge of the star base that um captain pike is staying at and that spock and, and kirk yeah. came down to um and after spock has his you know uh prison break with, with captain pike and steals the enterprise basically captain kirk and this commodore are chasing after them in, in a shuttlecraft yeah but it turns out that the commodore was never on the shuttlecraft never on the enterprise so you kind of have to wonder like because d- okay. it, it, because whole the whole the whole drama of the episode right is that the stakes are Spock is doing things that we don't understand he basically is mutinying right yeah and it's it's set up very early on in the ep- in the first part of of, of the two parter that this is the, o- the approaching Talos four is the only death penalty that is still on the books for the entire uh, uh, yeah. entire Starfleet now the and yeah but that kind of causes the question like. Why? Because if it really was the case that they could generate this mental projection of a person from from hundreds of light years away, is even approaching Talos IV a bad thing? I mean, maybe they should, you know, blow the fucking planet up. Like <laughs> this seems really weird to me. But anyway,
0: yeah, I would say, and and if it turns out that the Talosians have that mental power. Well, why did they need to do this whole ruse in the cage to the first place to get their slave race? They could have just, you know, sent out signals and somebody would have come willingly.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I mean
0: that—that that just send out a general alert, hey.
1: Or why not just keep all the people that beam down in the first five minutes of the cage, and then you're mm. great. Nope, no problems.
0: Yeah, uh, it, it, it seems like one of those plots that I don't know. And there's okay, so so the reason spock does what he does he makes an immunity and and one of the implications was that you know he's willing to take this death penalty on himself to get what he's done and any trial all everything will point just to him like he's not implicating anybody else in this he's not well impl- it's
1: even like when the jig is up basically yeah he
0: basically uh, says okay that's it i'm done i'm he's
1: like captain uh, captain mccoy i'm mutinying
0: yeah, please arrest me. Yeah, well, it's not like you know Spock's going to fight it out. No, but. of course not. And at that point, he's already set the ship to go to Talos anyway. So part of the reason he does this court martial, and he explicitly says, is kind of just to buy him some time. You know, he's going to just kind of distract everybody, and by the time they were done, well, here's be the on Talos anyway. Well,
1: here's the question though: Does Spock know that the court martial isn't real?
0: Yeah, and that's the question because at one point the. Um, Everything's going fine and Spock is, you know, okay, whatever, you know, I'm on this court martial, you know, I'm just gonna get my goal either way. And then the Commodore says, you know, where you know, and again, figuring that, you know, he's the only one who gets guilt on this, you know, because he's successfully, you know, you know, nobody everyone else is innocent, no one intended to. And then, you know, he says, Well, at the very end of the first part, you know, Captain Kirk will be you know given the death penalty as well because a captain is responsible for what his crew do. And Spock has this absolutely horrified look on his face. Like, so yeah, it's probably the most dramatic reaction he has had in the entire series. Because and, and and then it's at that point he realizes like, oh my god, I fucked up that bad. Like this is not at all what I wanted. Um, but if the court
1: martial is just there for the Telosians to buy time, yeah, then why why, is- why say that? Yeah, I, I mean are. it's it, little things like that which kind of don't really. I mean the plotting of the episode is the plotting of the episode is not great. A let's just put no. it that way.
0: It, it seems a little convoluted. And again, there's the there's the part when Spock, you know, Spock, Kirk says to Spock, "Why don't you just tell me?" You know, or he 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 says to the commander, "You know, if Spock had asked me to visit, you know, he wanted to visit Captain Pike, I would have, you know, immediately give him leave. You know, yeah. I would have, you know, in the implication of Spock. Had, so Spock's eventual plan, what he wants to do is because Pike is crippled he's going to take him to Talos where they can create a illusion projection so that way his mind is still active he'll be able to live a full active life even though his just as you know at the end of the original episode the woman who is you know crippled and old you know has this image of herself you know living as a young woman so he's going to do that for him which by the way great idea for Talos set it up at because apparently medical technology isn't really great set it up as a colony for people who are you know, severely invalid or in comas or whatever, and you know the Delosians can create basically a resort for them. You're going to need people to work it, and they'll be able to help out the Delosians willingly because there will always be people who will want to help out. You know, the less fortunate. I think it's a perfect solution.
1: I think that's really interesting, and I, I uh, that brings me to a point that I I had considered while watching this episode is that uh, in the cage. The Telosians come across as incredibly creepy and mean spirited and and basically like kind of evil uh but in this episode they they don't yeah, I mean they kind of are redeemed in this episode a little bit, which yeah. I find interesting
0: you know I, I like I said, I thought it was a very interesting recontextualization of the pilot um because I mean at the end the Telosians do realize uh you know, we can't do this to humanity, you know, because you don't want to be slaves and, you know, it, re- you know, they do have this realization that's better and this is kind of their atonement for, yeah, you know, yeah. capturing and, you know, let's face it, a cage, you know, the difference between a cage and a menagerie, that's not an insignificant title. Um,
1: That's true. Yeah. That is true. I did not even pick up on that. A cage is
0: something you get trapped in. Menagerie is more of a displaying and, you know, it's, it's. It's, it seems like a better quality, you know, and yeah. you know, more free range. Um, That's totally true. And I thought it was re- – what I thought was really nice at the very e- – at the very end of the episode, in the original episode, this woman who is on this planet, um, she's given this illusion of Silver Hole and they give her an illusion of Captain Pike who goes back to the Enterprise and, you know, the last shot of the – you know, is her and him walking off – you know, her and this illusion walking off hand in hand. And – this episode, the illusion is actually intended to be actually Captain Pike. So they re- kind right. of, it's almost as if that moment in the episode didn't happen originally, and yet, I don't know, it just makes it nicer. That way they're both then happy, and he does get to have his girl, you know, he does get to run off with a girl at the end. And you know. Well,
1: that that actually, it, it's interesting, right? Because I think that uh, brings up something um, that maybe uh, uh, you're not considering, right? Because at the, at the end of The Cage, she does run off with an with a with the projection of yeah. of Captain Kirk or Captain Pike, I'm sorry. Yeah. And she's made to believe that he chose to stay with her. Yeah. Now, now that thirteen years later Captain Pike is actually coming back, mm. are they going to tell her that it wasn't Captain Pike all those years?
0: I, I almost wonder I, I, I always got the sense that she kinda knew.
1: That I, could be, yeah. I,
0: I figured she knows, you know, this isn't it, but illusions are really all they got on this planet. You know, she knows she doesn't really look like that. She's very aware of that, but she's happy to live with that.
1: You I know? can see that. Yeah. And
0: it's given, um, you know, yeah. So so to find out that, no, he actually did come back for her, you know, I think that means more.
1: Yeah, yeah. L- let's talk about uh, the, the ending of the episode because I have a huge problem with the end of the episode specifically. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so we've talked before about how Star Trek works best when the stakes seem high. Uh, like with Miri, uh, with the Corbinite maneuver, episodes where the stakes don't seem quite as high, like Dagger of the Mind, yeah. you know, the episode just kind of feels inert and, and, and we don't ever really get a good sense of danger.
0: Yeah, even something like the Corbinite maneuver where it turns out there was no danger the entire time. At the time, it feels like. It's a it. very tense yeah. episode.
1: One of my major problems with the menagerie is... You know, Spock is set up to get the death penalty. Kirk is set up to get the death penalty. They're not going to get the death penalty. Yeah, you know that Yeah. Number two is any dramatic tension that you could pull out of Spock and Kirk perhaps in getting the death penalty is completely erased by the fact that for large portions of the episode, we are not with them. We are watching recut footage from the cage. And so even if you've never seen the cage before and you're very invested in in the story of what exactly the the backstory of, of what is leading up to the events going on in the present day enterprise it 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 still pulls you out of that and it still kind of makes the episode feel a little inert and a little slow
0: yeah because at this point the characters you care about are Kirk and Spock and you're right. all wondering how are they going to get out of this one you don't really care about how is pike going to get out of this one and
1: because- the episodes and the, not the episodes and the scenes where we do come back to the court-martial room, feel kind of perfunctory. Like, they're basically just there to uh, uh, summarize or recontextualize yeah. or to make sure you understand what you just watched yeah. <laughs> for 10 minutes. It's, it's a very weird episode. Now, I understand from a production point of view why this was made, because they had this pilot that they spent a lot of money on, and, and this, was a oh, good, yeah. this was a good way to get two episodes of Star Trek. And it's done well of that. Yeah, Yeah, for, I, I, as yeah, for cheaper. As-
0: you know, as far as a recontextualization goes, it was fine. Like I said, the plot doesn't need to be as convoluted as it does.
1: Well, this is my this is this is what I was leading up to, right? Is that the very end of the episode where uh, Kirk and Spock both find out that the Talosians had set up the whole court martial yeah. as a uh, fantasy, mm-hmm. and that uh, Captain Pike does go down, and they get a message from uh, Commodore, the Commodore on the starbase, who actually did never leave. Now, the, the, the other thing that I haven't talked about, right, that we haven't talked about is that the, um, the footage of the cage is presented as mental projections of the Talosians yeah. as evidence. I don't have a problem with that because I thought it was really interesting because in the original pilot, you do see the Talosians watching on a view screen what is going on with yeah. Pike. And I believe her name is Vera? something like that right so i didn't have a problem with that i thought that was an interesting way to justify having that footage yeah
0: it, it and they even justify the commercial breaks because well, yeah. they're just like you know you know oh well they decided to you know give captain pike a rest you know or like oh you know there's something wrong with their transmission you know like they, yeah. they have they explain that in yeah. a way i thought that was interesting. it was it was they explain the camera and they explained the <laughs>
1: almost like an in-joke
0: really yeah it's it was very it was surprisingly meta for it.
1: yeah but uh uh the very end of the episode is again the Commodore saying, Oh, well, we were getting all this evidence as well. We were getting the projections from Tal- from, from Talos Four. And uh Starfleet has ordered that this time only the ban on travel to Talos Four is rescinded, Spock and Kirk are exonerated of all charges and will not face the death penalty. And so it's just like it's pretty- Well, but here's but this I you know, so it's like, wait a second. So we just spent uh, 140 uh, uh, uh one hour and 40 minutes on this stuff uh spock had to you know uh, 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 uh assault two officers of starfleet had to lie to several commanding officers commit number n- n- you know numbers yeah. of, of of infractions um go through this whole court martial and at the end of the episode starfleet would have been cool with it
0: okay so they're like well wrote, like, wait what yeah i got this it's like well you know if it was for Pi- if you told us it was f- to help captain pike i would have said totally yeah that's you know. my whole problem yeah with it's the like episode. you, you know, open that like sealed envelope you know no one is ever to get to tell us for it's death unless captain pike is going there in order to have like a mind you know body that is totally cool <laughs> it's just really really annoying cuz he did commit immunity. no matter what happened spock did commit immunity. and put it this way ha- spock's entire plan hinges on the fact that everybody trusts each other enough to not question you. Yeah. Know? If Spock says, look, I, you know, I'm telling you that the captain made this order and, you know, don't question that. Not, th- th- They're realizing, okay, well, neither Spock nor the captain are gonna do anything bad, so, well, you know, when they say jump, we're gonna just do it. I don't get why, but eventually he'll explain it. Like, he very much... He not only mutinies he very much abuses everybody's trust in him. Absolutely this. he does, yeah. I yeah. mean, the part when... He says, you know, I've committed mutiny, you know, arrest me. Both, you know, you know, Bones is heartbroken. And, you know, her is shocked, you know, they because, again, this is somebody they've worked with for years that they know very well. This just comes out of nowhere. And they're, you know, they have the proper reaction. And would.
1: interestingly enough, I I, I find it uh, uh, intriguing that Bones, in, especially in the first part of the episode where yes. um, Kirk is is kind of like, what the fuck is
0: up with Kirk? Because Kirk is Spock? the one who and initially has the... It's not doubt, but once he's checked everything, he's like the only thing is you know Spock, right? Yeah, and
1: and, and McCoy, who has demonstrated a, a lack of, um, you know, probably doesn't really like Spock, yeah, but does perhaps does like Spock now. Well, they respect uh, him. They're not they, yeah, they're not friends, and, 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 but
0: he knows that he's and defends him. Yeah, right? and he because, basically says, you know, it's Spock. Why are you even be- thinking this like you know bones is offended almost yeah at kirk's suggestion
1: absolutely so i think that's another interesting like refinement of the character yeah right so it's not just this sort of like he's racist against spock or whatever nah. but it is this sense that yes i respect spock i think spock is very intelligent and i don't i don't understand why you are questioning him Kirk. yeah and that's really interesting
0: uh, and there's this whole Vulcans can't lie thing, which is always interesting when they do that. But, um, and it's, and it's, a Vulcan is om- immediately loyal and, you know, will never betray you type thing.
1: Well, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the Star Trek things that are set up for this episode that we see many, you know, kind of the canon thing. So yeah. the big one, of course, is the revelation that, uh, Spock's half, half human side was his mother yeah we did not have that information previously it doesn't have a whole lot of impact on the episode, but it is information that comes up later and it's it's kind of it's important information yeah the other thing of course is I think we have the first mention of subspace uh okay. in this episode
0: i did it was i didn't really pick up as that as anything interesting, but you can talk about that well you know
1: subspace is just kind of the general hand wavy way that they uh communicate with faster than light and you know that kind of thing so that's something that obviously has become part of of star trek's canon yeah uh and of course the other thing i think this is the first mention of starfleet
0: yeah that's right because you actually see them the governing and by the way that was some gorgeous scenery work when they had that first shot of the in the episode yeah like it feels it's weird because it feels like the the present day, I guess, segments had a bigger budget than normal on this. I'm they, sorry,
1: I'm not sure what you mean.
0: Like, there, there were more sets in a way there than 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 they normally have. There was oh. that, that, that again, that great outside shot. there's a couple shots. Well, from the Starfleet. Don't
1: don't forget that a lot of those establishing shots are redone for the remasters, so you're not seeing the original ones. Oh. So you uh, can't really damn. you can't really bring any.
0: Um, oh, okay. I didn't conclusions about the budget. Yeah. Okay, then never mind. Um, but I thought I did think that looked really cool. No, they
1: did a nice job on that. Okay. The original one is much more static. Okay. There's no people
0: in it, and it uh.
1: it, it, it is an outside shop, It's basically a matte painting. Yeah. It's a nice matte
0: painting. And then but. he meets up with this woman, by the way, who mentions, "Oh yeah, you know, my friend talked about you. You know, she said she knew you." Yeah. Wing, wing and curse like what? Who? And I'm like you fucking douche like yeah. you don't remember anybody you sleep because this is i think the second time that he's hooked up with a woman that he doesn't remember yeah yeah kirk is kind of a player yeah you uh, should keep like a little log <laughs> 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 captain's lock today i banged a woman
1: so i mean on the whole i don't think that the menagerie parts one and two is a terrible episode i would recommend that you know. I don't. I don't necessarily think that there's much reason to watch the cage. Um, maybe once or twice in your life, watch it. I mean, if you really like it, watch it as much nah, as you want. Yeah. But I kind of feel like the menagerie is one of those episodes that uh, it is definitely one of the episodes that I usually skip when I'm watching I Star can Trek. See why? Because it's just a lot of it feels inert. A lot of it is just you know uh, recut footage from the cage. And if you've seen the cage, if you're familiar with the cage, it's kind of boring. Yeah. So the the other stuff is all right but it's not the best episode of star
0: trek i thought it interesting that there's a lot of almost implied reasons for what the changes were because again the technology in the original show was different 13 years ago you know the aesthetics could have completely changed you know uh spock's character changes between the cage and you know now yeah. 13 years i mean one of the implica- you know it, we're told that, you know, his Vulcan side is overtaking his human side in a way uh, that could not may not have been the case 13 years ago. He may not have had that mastery of his emotions, which is why you see him smiling and why you see him like things like that. I thought were interesting. And that's, yeah, I
1: think that's an interesting I mean, obviously, that's not the real reason. But
0: no, you know, but as, it, w- it as was a, it's totally retconned as, as 50 years exist. later,
1: what they would call a retcon. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that's yeah, it totally works. I think that's an, that's an interesting way to look at it, too.
0: What I thought was really interesting, and so' the entire time I've been talking about this theme of how 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 Star Trek says if you're creating this world for yourself and you're not living within societal rules, you know that's ultimately bad, and using power to create your own environment is a bad thing, and that was one of the you know things of the cage that it's not right to live in illusions and it's not right to do these things um both quorum Benign- Renew Man and whatever the show is, (laughs) and uh, and and the menagerie are variations on that theme. You have Balok, who has this environment just for himself, and he doesn't want to use it to create his own create his own world. Mm -hmm. He explicitly says, "I'm lonely. I want someone else. You know, and I want to benefit your species. You know." And so he's doing this out of altruism and friendship and diplomacy. And it's seen as a good thing. It's seen as you know, coop. You know, it's not good to create a isolated world, mm-hmm. but cooperating between those two leads to great rewards. In this, you have these aliens who have created this you know world of illusions that's seen as a bad thing. But he's doing it altruistically for Captain Pike, who has no other option of leave, living the life that he wants to. Again, he's has a they explicitly say his brain is fully functioning. He's just totally trapped in there and. You know, them using their powers in order to give him life is seen as an unequivocally good thing. Yeah. So that's, I guess, one of the—that's a refinement, you know, of that major theme within the series. I think that may be one of the big themes in the series.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, one of the things that—I mean, I think are a little different because in this episode, in the Menagerie especially, you have the Telosians who are very advanced and— I don't know that it's seen as a good thing. I think it's kind of seen as a as a kind thing, but maybe not. I think there's a difference. I, there. I don't understand apparently. because we don't want able-bodied uh, people to live in a fantasy world. It's a good thing for Captain Pike to go live in a fantasy world because they can't do anything for him. In a way, it's kind of like uh it's kind of like euthanasia it's kind of a realization that they can't do anything for him and it's very cruel to make a man who still has all of his mental faculties about him uh be trapped in his body with no way to communicate with anybody and so
0: well that's something i agree with
1: (laughs) well yeah and and so in our present day we have arguments about Assisted suicide and euthanasia, and 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 what you know, what what is the right thing to do? What is the moral thing to do? What is the good thing to do? What is the kind thing to do? And I think there's a difference between the good and the kind,
0: right? right. Let me let me put it this way, though, it's not euthanasia because Pike, at the end of the day, they say you know they give him the choice, and he says yes, I want this. Oh,
1: absolutely, know? I'm not I'm not saying so, it's euthanasia, but
0: no, but but I. I and I mean, I've I've read you know people talking you know more theoretically still at this point, but you know what if we can use some kind of virtual reality for people in comas, you know, yeah. so that way they can you know, or people who are paraplegic, so they are able to you know, and in real life, Second Life has you know people who are heavily disabled use that yeah. program as a way to get in. So I, I wouldn't say it's shutting him away and getting rid of him, but it is giving him an environment in which he is able to finally well, thrive because you know pike is a man of action pike is a, you know he he has his life you know he got into this accident saving people's lives he's not- That's
1: why that's why i think it's a kind thing and not a good thing because if they had the ability to bring him to full health they would do it and i feel as though mm-hmm. if 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 because in the cage right we we see captain pike uh who is becoming weary of command not sure if he wants to do it if At the end of The Cage, the end of The Cage was him going, yeah, I'll stay. I'm sick of this. Like, I'm sick of the bullshit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to live in a fantasy world. That would have been a very bad thing from the point of view of Star Trek.
0: Ooh, but how powerful of an ending would that have been?
1: And so to come back to it, right, 13 years later in in universe and say, Captain Pike will stay here, but the reason he'll stay here is because there's no other option for him. And so, that I think is the more powerful message. Mm,
0: but it's it's one of those. It may not be. See, 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 it's hard to say good or bad because that brings into uh, in, into the forefront notions of absolutely good and absolutely well. That's bad. that's why I'm because saying because there is no, it, you know. Whether it's good or not, this may be the best option. Well, that's what and I'm to saying. to take the best option is good. That's what I'm saying. So that, therefore, that's... this is a good option in this universe. In a universe where he is able to get some, let's say, prosthetics and you know augmentations and all like deus ex shit, um, then going into this fantasy world is not the best option and therefore is not good. And the good option is to take the augmentations. That
1: could be. That so, could be.
0: Yeah, again, I th- I think it's good within this context, but not within. You know, we also again we view this from our view where you know we do have technology that allows people. See, I
1: disagree with you though. I don't think it's a good option, even in this context. I think it's the kind option. Like, I think I think being well, kind, then, then kind is, ki- is 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 something different than than being good.
0: It's, see, I, I I would say within the standards, it's kind of, of like it's one kind of the of, standards of the show suggests though that kind and good you know, the kind option may be the good option. And, you know, it's better to be kind than cruel or to show mercy or to, you know, show diplomacy. I mean, that's one of the things the show show positions that on the side of good.
1: I think one of the themes of the show, especially, yes, is you you get a good life and you get good results out of being merciful, out of being kind, uh, out of being basically a good person yeah
0: right um let's face it again they go back to you know
1: and i'm not even saying that what they're doing is bad right i'm just saying that it might not be
0: good I disagree with you, but uh, well, we could go into but, this Yeah, okay, I was going to say this is this is a we're going to get into very arcane bits of more of a philosophy yeah. soon. So I, um, you know, I, uh, but I that like I said, I found the menagerie a very interesting episode to discuss. I didn't like it.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't especially like it either. Um, it's not it's not Star Trek's best. I, I honestly feel like if they had done it as a one hour episode, if they had not been a two parter. <laughs> Uh, it perhaps trimmed out some of the the, the yeah. footage from the cage. I think it could have been a stronger episode, but again, I I think that that ending just really just pulls a rug out of the whole thing, and you kind of feel like you wasted two hours of your life watching this because oh, Starfleet's cool with it. Okay, well, why why did I just watch this then? Like, it just seems it seems
0: very very uh, inert to me. I was going to say yeah, the only the only... <laughs> If there had been something like, well, at the end, it turned out that, you know, Spock had falsified some stuff and, you know, nobody in the command center even knows that Pike is even gone, you know, yet. And, you know, nobody, you know, the Enterprise isn't suspect, you know, it's okay. Like that would have been something like, cause again, it would have been an active, you know, yeah. Spock did something to fix it. You know, that was part of Spock's plan because this entire time, you know, he shows himself as. Crazy prepared, and then it shows up eventually that he just hoped to, you know, get caught and not take anyone else down with him and get his stuff done before you know that was his exit route.
1: But they didn't
0: do that. Yeah. So fucking Gene Ron and Barry. I give it five tribbles. I give it three tribbles. Wow.
1: All right. Well, to go from a ten to a three yeah. in the same episode of Trek about, it's pretty bad. Yeah. But but next week. We're going to be discussing The Conscience of the King. Okay. And The balance. Netflix
0: description made that one seem <laughs> weird. Uh,
1: it is kind of weird. And Balance of Terror.
0: Now you've mentioned Balance of Terror.
1: I have mentioned Balance of Terror.
0: I'm excited for this. want want be watch. excited for it. I want to watch more, but I'm going to parcel it out for next week. Okay, good. Uh, I wonder what I'll watch tonight. Oh, well, what are we going to watch tonight? Well, not after that. When I get home, I'm still oh. out for hours. Okay. But yes, we are going to watch The Breaking Bad. All right. Well, uh,
1: if you'd like to send uh, Richard letters, um, apparently he wants them, so... Give me your email address,
0: Richard. Uh, I guess I'm using Richard at secondquest.vg today.
1: Okay, there you go. Send, send letters to Richard.
0: I have to figure out a real email address for myself. You need
1: to figure out a real email address. You need to figure out a real Twitter. I, you know. I need
0: to start eating on a regular you basis. You do a lot of things I need life. to clean my part. I finally dropped my laundry off on mm-hmm. the way here. Mm-hmm. So that was a good thing. Okay. And I need to clean my rabbit cage. Sure. The cage. The menagerie. No, no, no. I only have one rabbit. I had a dream the other night that my rabbit was this gigantic and lying on the bed and telling me she loved me. That's very nice. It was cute. Like, she was actually saying it.
1: That's that's um, cre- that's creepy. I'm sorry. No,
0: it was cute because, like, I was taking a nap and, like, I had the rabbit on, you know? She was giant in the dream? Yeah, she was, like, real rabbit size.
1: Oh, I thought you meant, like, it was a giant rabbit. No, I mean, like, 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 it was... people size. No,
0: no, it wasn't people size. Like, it was, like, a big rabbit. Because that's,
1: like, like, some Night of the Leapus shit, and that's terrifying.
0: I loved light of the Lipus.
1: Well, it. Stars to Forrest Kelly. I was so going to say, go. yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, next week, uh, join us for Conscience of the King and Balance of Terror.
0: Please do. No one told me that. No one said that, like, yeah, you, you know, when you're in college, you can't have sex because it's having trouble having, you know, finding people. Now I can't have sex because I don't want to have, like, a free evening.
1: Oh, yeah. No, that's true
0: yeah it's like you have to schedule this stuff and it's just like yeah i think we're just kind of just tired like no i know you're only 356 feet away according to grinder but i just don't feel like getting out of the house how we started the show i have no idea
1: is that what we're talking about
0: I, I i really think i'm just waiting for you to like start us for real i'm just kind of talking oh
1: maybe we did maybe we started 10 minutes ago
0: uh, well, well then this is turning into cartridge blowers and that's like the worst thing <laughs> Uh
1: that, that, that could be the worst thing or it could be the best thing. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know what, what could be the answer? You need to find that out.